Hey wonderful people, welcome to 2019 and our sixth episode of the second season of Lantern. We're a podcast about young people trying to change the world and trying to understand what that actually means. To kick off the new year, we have some really exciting news that we've listened to some of your requests and have organized our first round of Project Lantern merchandise. We're collaborating with Topico, bringing some Navy logo caps made from 100% recycled and upcycled materials, all made ethically in Indonesia, and all the profits will support Project Lantern's work. You can learn more and pre-order at projectlantern.com.au forward slash merch. There's also a link in the show notes if that's easier. So plug aside, this fortnight we're really excited to bring you this chat with Genevieve Clay-Smith, who's the co-founder and CEO of Bus Stop Films. And we're talking all about inclusive filmmaking and particularly how film can be used uh, for social good. So I hope you enjoy this episode and I hope you also have an incredible start to 2019. Ah, that's a great question. Who am I? Who am I? (laughs) No, really, who am I? It's a really good question for me because I don't know, I don't have a typical job and I often find it hard to kind of say I'm the CEO of Bus Stop Film because I'm also doing other things as well. I'm one of those typical portfolio career people and which is actually becoming more and more common in our generation, I think. But for this purpose, for this podcast, I am the CEO of Bus Stop Films, which is a not-for-profit organisation. It's been going for 10 years. We officially incorporated in 2011, but prior to that, it was just me and a bunch of filmmakers doing inclusive filmmaking projects. And basically what a bus stop has evolved to is a organisation that educates, creates and advocates. So what that looks like is an organisation which provides accessible film studies programs for people with a disability or other people from marginalised groups. And we also create films with those people. And then we advocate for more inclusion and diversity in the film industry and inclusion broadly through the films we make. So I manage that and oversee our amazing team putting on that program, as well as other things. (laughs) You kind of touched on it, Jen, but for those who don't know, what exactly do you mean by inclusive filmmaking? Personally, for me, inclusive filmmaking is a form of filmmaking which actively seeks to meaningfully include and give opportunities to people that lack access or face barriers to the film industry. So people with an intellectual disability face a lot of barriers to becoming involved in filmmaking, things like education, access to technology. So we're actively looking to give people with intellectual disabilities meaningful employment, work experience, involvement in professional filmmaking. And we've done that with other communities as well but it is the act of using the process of filmmaking and a filmmaking project to be including people that wouldn't usually get the opportunity to be included. And so particularly started this form of filmmaking over 11 years ago when I was working in the disability sector. I was a documentary filmmaker for Down Syndrome New South Wales. I was documenting one of their programs. And I wanted to create a short film with one of their participants, a narrative fiction film. And I thought to myself, you know, if I'm going to make a film about a person with a disability, I should make it with people with disabilities. That's just what I thought and what I felt. And specifically, having worked 18 months in the community, I knew that 
just being inclusive and getting people involved in the filmmaking project itself would be a really good thing to do. Give opportunities, even though I was just a student filmmaker, it was an opportunity I could give. And that one film which we made was Be My Brother and that ended up winning Tropfest and the lead actor who had Down Syndrome, Jared, won, won Best Actor. So it kind of made me realise that making films inclusively could be done, they could be done well, it didn't slow us down, it didn't compromise on quality, it, it wasn't hard. There are stigmas that prevent people with disabilities being included all the time in many spheres of life and society, particularly the workforce. So that's how it started and that's what I believe inclusive filmmaking is. I'm wondering then what kind of drew you to working in the disability space in the, in the first place? Well, it started with that documentary that I was fortunate enough to you know, get the job to, to do that. So it was just a simple call out through our university network. They were looking for, I think the title was trainee filmmaker. I don't know if that job is a real job, but um, they were looking for a trainee filmmaker to work with a director to assist him in making this documentary for Down Syndrome New South Wales. I ended up taking over as the director and seeing the film through to completion and I spent 18 months with six people with Down Syndrome and their families as I documented them going through a program that Down Syndrome New South Wales was running. And that program was aimed at helping them to achieve life goals and life dreams through creating networks and circles of support around them. And anyway, being a, a part of that, watching these people achieve dreams and goals because you know, someone in the network of support was able to open a door of opportunity was really insightful for me. And I realized just how easy it was to make a difference in someone's life, that I could make a difference just through opening up my film sets, even though there were student film sets, just getting people involved. And, you know, it really started from there. What gave you that push to then sort of decide to, you know, get some friends around it and actually sort of make bus stop films more of an organisation? Because I feel like people could have that experience but then sort of forget about it necessarily and then never put it into action. Yeah. Bus stop's been an incredible journey because there's been no roadmap. There's been no plan we just started making films inclusively, me and my producer. So after the Tropfest winning film, we thought we'll do it again. We did another film, we made it inclusively. And then I guess the idea for a not-for-profit just started evolving. I thought, you know, we should do this more regularly, create an organisation dedicated to giving people access to filmmaking, making inclusive films. And, you know, in 2011, we went on the journey with a law firm to become incorporated, took 12 months, but it was just a step-by-step -step process. I just knew that we'd done something really special and something very important because at the time, this, this is now 11 years ago, at the time I looked around the film industry and there was no representation of disability on our screens, certainly no access for people to get involved in production. And I thought that was extremely unfair. I actually felt a massive pang of injustice because our film industry should be the most inclusive industry. It's our industry of stories. It's the way that we reflect society. It's the way society, it's a mirror. It's society's mirror. It represents, you know, the issues of our time. It, it represents people in, in our community. And if we're not telling everybody's story or we're not, if we're only showcasing, you know, 
white people on television and in our film industry. Like, you know, it just kind of maintains, uh, it just maintains the status quo. It doesn't get people into the skin of others. It, you know, doesn't build a, a more socially cohesive society of people think that it's okay to leave out other people from our stories. Mm. So I actually just thought it was really unjust. And even as a female filmmaker, you know, it was really difficult to get kind of, you know, ahead. So, you know, I thought there were some real big issues in our film industry. So I just kind of just pushed ahead with it, just step by step. And it's kind of just slowly but surely evolved into what it is today. This idea in creating more inclusive films, how's that process, I guess, different from a typical sort of film creative process? It all comes down to attitude, I believe. It is same in terms of we make professional films. You know, we, our films have screened at, you know, international film festivals, won awards. They've been very successful films, short films. But the thing is, is the attitude around it so typically in the film industry, when you're making a film project, it's extremely hierarchical and it's, you know, there's a lot of ego involved, you know, let's just call it out. There is, you know, it is the mentality of the auteur, the artist that, you know, the director is God on set and, you know, it's about creating that artistic vision. And you know, I think that it can be flipped on its head, I really do. And so the attitude for our film sets is that we're all shoulder to shoulder. Mm. Everybody has a role to do. And when we bring people with disabilities on film sets, they're partnered up with mentors, they're given jobs. People need to respect that, respect that they're there learning or they're there contributing, respect that there's pacing differences sometimes, but that's okay. I mean, we've always finished on time, even with pacing differences. And I actually think that the culture of our sets is just brilliant. You know, there is not a whiff of that hierarchical culture, which can be really quite oppressive, to be honest. And I've been on film sets that are oppressive. Well, I was doing my own work experience and I remember thinking to myself, oh my goodness, does it have to be this way? I do not want my sets to be like this. So it comes down to attitude and it comes down to the people leading the film project, understanding that they have an opportunity to give and that if they implement inclusive filmmaking, it's culturally beneficial. Uh, it brings authenticity, particularly if they're representing a marginalized group, if they're including people from that group alongside the filmmaking process, they will only strengthen the story through that inclusion. And they're actually doing more than just making a film. They're making a social statement, they're advocating, they, they're elevating their filmmaking project to an advocacy piece, showing what's possible. And personally, in my 11 years, I have never seen a negative consequence from having inclusive film sets. I just never have. Do you think there's anything that viewers of film can, can do as well? Yeah, look, I mean, if you see a film and there's a character that has a disability being played by an actor without a disability, you can call it out on social media. This is the beauty of social media now, is that, you know, advocacy can have a very loud voice. So viewers can, you know, communicate their displeasure to seeing this 
and people take note. It's important that if you see something, you say something, you know. If there is a female story that's been told by just everybody in the production team's male, producer, director, writer, cinematographer, or male heads of department, then call that out. I mean, there needs to be women involved in telling female stories. Otherwise, it's only going to be through a masculine lens. So, you know, I think that viewers can definitely play a role in manoeuvring, you know, the industry to represent characters authentically and be telling diverse stories. And, you know, this happened recently with uh, Charlize Theron film. So she was, I forget what the name of the film was called, but she was meant to be playing a transgender character. And the trans community got in uproar. They believed that it should be a an actor who's trans playing that role. And so because of that advocacy, uh, I believe she hasn't taken up the role. I'm not too sure where it's gotten to, but, you know, it, it was loud enough to put a halt in production. And what's the balance between getting those kind of films which, which feature inclusive filmmaking actually uh, produced or funded. I'm thinking back to, say, Shakespeare in Tokyo, which was an incredible film, really enjoyed it. And obviously that, from, from my understanding, received a lot of support from the local government there. And that is intended not only to sell a message, but also promote the, the city and the country from a tourist perspective. Any film project can be inclusive. Right. So it's not like I'm going out there trying to get my inclusive films made and then my other films. Every film I make, I incorporate someone. So, you know, all of them, even my commercial projects, I get people who would lack access to opportunities on set, whether it's one person or if, I, if the set can accommodate more, we will. So that particular example of Shakespeare in Tokyo, that was a commercial project that I, I pitched for commercially as a commercial director. And that, that was a piece of branded content commissioned by Tokyo Metropolitan Government to promote tourism. But I said, you know what, this is what I do back home in Australia. I'd love to make this film inclusively with local people with a disability. And the journey began. And so, you know, we, we set up some partnerships with Down Syndrome Society over there, with tech company Sanwa, who gave us space. I did a workshop with six local people with Down Syndrome and then facilitated them having work experience on set. Now, this is where we start to see the benefits of inclusive filmmaking in action. That was a commercial project that I decided I would make inclusively, did it. And that tourism piece was elevated to advocacy piece. So the amazing thing about it was the public relations around it were not just around come to Tokyo, isn't this a great piece of content promoting Tokyo? It was, wow, come to Tokyo, isn't this a beautiful film about Tokyo, but wow, look at the inclusive message behind it. In Japan, you know, this has been our history with inclusion. We think this film can help create change. The PR around it, just went that way. And I was really proud of one of the articles that came out that was syndicated by the Japan Times, which is their national newspaper, was all about looking at the past to see how they could improve the future through this film project. So you see that when you take a step towards being inclusive and just doing something like that, you have the opportunity not just to make a great film, 
I'm very proud of that film. I think it's some great, a great piece of filmmaking as a film itself. Mm. But going that step ahead, extra step, and making way for people that have never had the chance to be on a professional set to be involved and then come along to the premiere and get photographed and, you know, by thousands, like literally there was at least, you know, 300 paparazzi at the red carpet premiere for this film. You know, getting visibility on that, showcasing to people, ah, oh, they could work on a film set. I'm sure they could work in other areas of, you know, business and in, in the workforce. There is so much opportunity to do good just by doing that. So it's a good example, actually, of how any project can be inclusive and the benefits of, of doing that, mm. what that means for not just the people, but for society and the film industry. Basically, I kind of say, and also other industries, but basically what I usually say is, if we can do this in the film industry, if I can go to Japan, not speak Japanese, engage six people with Down syndrome on a professional film set where we, we had to shoot the film uh, over four days, high pressure, high stakes, tourism piece. Anybody can be inclusive anywhere at any time in any industry. There's no excuse. I'm in one of the toughest industries in terms of, you know, needing it to be top shelf quality, particularly when working for clients. There's a high stakes, you only get one shot to get your shots. You know, there's lots going on in terms of project management, logistics, when you're making a film. If I can do it on a set, anybody can do it in an office. Again, pardon my ignorance, but what are the barriers with people with a disability accessing mainstream education at the moment? Uh, intellectual disability has a lot of barriers because basically institutions, people just don't think it's possible. That's really all it comes down to. Do you know it's actually a universal human right for children with intellectual disabilities or any disability to be able to access just the general education system? It's in Article 24 of the, there is the Committee of the person, uh, of the Rights of Persons with Disability and it states that all children should have access to quality, inclusive education and that is education in the general mainstream schools alongside non-disabled peers. And there's actually over 40 years worth of research that says that inclusive education is the best way to educate all children not just children with disabilities, but actually also children without disabilities because you're implementing universal learning design. You're actually putting the child first, helping them to learn in their own way, not trying to make the child fit the system. And so, you know, we have this backwards education system that's a bit archaic actually, with people that just don't think that it's possible. We have schools, the special education schools that, you know, we, we actually could just put those kids into the general education system, use the resources from those schools, put them in the general education system, train up teachers to understand more about universal learning design, to be adaptive in their teaching styles. And, you know, you have children learning together inclusively. You know, you have adults that can work together and live alongside each other and build a more inclusive society. It starts at the start in kids education and they grow up segregated and so we create a segregated society and so when you get to you know university it's the same mentalities that stop kids from being included in you know school at the start just simply it's we don't know how it's too hard all these stigmas prevent people we don't have the resources 
do you know there are examples in Africa, okay, developing countries where inclusive education is being implemented right now without loads of money, without lots of special resources. It's just happening. It's how with my filmmaking, I just did it. I just included people. It wasn't, we just did it. Like I didn't need a degree. I didn't need special resources or loads of money. And in fact, I had no money making be my brother. No money, but we just did it. So anyway, it's the, that, that's where the barriers really start is in attitudes. That for me is, is the main thing. If you have somebody, a passionate educator that can see someone's potential and can see the benefit of, having, of including students with disability, then you, you're going to have an inclusive education system. You're going to have someone that can be included in uni. But until, until there are more educators and people that can allow for that or are willing to just do it, it you know, there's, there's going to be these barriers. I mean, I understand all the arguments as well around having segregated education. So that's the special schools and the and mainstream coexisting. But I think that a lot of so some of the arguments are that, you know, it's just it is too hard to include someone with a disability in the general education system or they're gonna get bullied or all these things. But I actually think that if if the teachers are equipped with the resources from the special education units and the support in class that it is possible to have a thriving inclusive education system. I think there's lots of gaps at the moment and I can understand when parents feel overwhelmed and they, they believe that the special education unit is the best way. Well, I understand that. I think if we can combine the resources and change attitudes, educate educators, you know, we could build a really wonderful education system that puts every child first and implements universal learning design. And I think that in building an inclusive education system, we really can build a more inclusive society and we're not gonna have the gaps that we see for people with disabilities that we see, you know, out there in society in the real world. I just wanted to go back to a few things before. After winning something kind of as significant as Tropfest, I was wondering how did you utilize the, the momentum and exposure that that gave? kind of propel the message and um, grow the organization. I did my very best to use Tropfest uh, to propel me forward. But the fact of the matter is, I was a 21 year old filmmaker, female, young, and I 100% believe that I just wasn't able to get past a lot of the prejudice that I faced as a female filmmaker. Like I look back and I think if I'd been maybe a guy, and had not been advocating for inclusive filmmaking, which I was in different meetings I had, maybe I actually would have gotten more opportunities as a filmmaker. But I learned that I wasn't getting anywhere too quickly in terms of the filmmaking thing. And I was actually challenged, so a quick story. I went and had a meeting with one of the best agents for directors in Australia. And I went in and was hopeful that this person might represent me and give me a break. And anyway, this person was asking me about what my next project was going to be and what my ambitions were for the future. And I told her all about inclusive filmmaking. I wanted my next project to be about this concept of disability and my passion of finding stories that don't usually go told and having people on set and you know I was very wide-eyed enthusiastic excited young 21 year old with this dream of 
using the film industry for good. And I remember when I told her all this, the, the colour just drained from her face. And she said to me, quote unquote, why on earth do you want to make another film about disability? You are just going to be known as the girl who makes films about Down syndrome people and you're never going to have a career. And so that was the attitude I was faced with. She didn't represent me, needless to say, and I had a big decision to make. Am I going to go down the traditional route of being a filmmaker and a director and, and leave all this idea of inclusive filmmaking behind or am I going to do what I think is right and what I'm passionate about which is not just making films but having purpose behind them and helping others along the way and so I did make the decision to go down the road I, I, I was passionate about and that is where I started to kind of really push bus stop and I was able to get support I found not in the film industry, but in corporate Australia, right. because corporates love Tropfest. Right. And as soon as I said to them, I had one Tropfest, I had their ear. So I was able to get our pro bono relationship with the law firm because of the work with Tropfest. So I found a different way of maneuvering that opportunity and was grateful for Tropfest in the end because it really did paved the way for me to start building bus stop films and start building the not-for-profit and I just found my feet you know in an organic way it's it, I've been able to through just going with my gut instinct on what I believe is right be a filmmaker and be a director but have this purpose behind my work and you know not just make be a director for my own artistic satisfaction, that is important, and I get a lot of artistic satisfaction out of the work I make. But I've found that it doesn't just have to be about me <laughs> as a director. I've found, uh, you know, I've, I've just found this beautiful, happy medium where I love providing opportunities. I love seeing the ripple effects of our films, whether it's through the message and what the audience gets from it, or from the people that work with us that lack access, you know, the benefits in their personal life, the growth for them, mm. the opportunities for them to go on and do other things outside of the bus stop bubble because right. of the experience that they've gotten from us. Oh, it's just so wonderful to be able to make films like this and, and use filmmaking as a platform for more than just making a film, but having a ripple effect in people's lives. I mean, I'm just so pleased that... I didn't let those discouraging words throw me off course. I'm glad I stuck the course because I'm, I'm really happy. That's interesting that you do mention that dilemma because I think that's something I know I'm facing myself and a lot of my friends are as well. You know, do we make that decision to sort of sell our morals or our values short term and hope 30 years later we can create massive change when we're at the top of these corporates or like if we're number one directors. So did that thought ever sort of pass your mind where you thought maybe if I do for the next few years become a little bit more mainstream, could you have more impact in the long run? If Do you know that's a really interesting question? And it's actually something I've thought of. If I'd just become a regular director, kind of pushed my way to the top mainstream, would I then be able to create change at the top then? I don't think so. Because what I've been doing over the last 10 years is building a method, building a case, practicing it, learning how to successfully implement 
work experience for people with disabilities on set, trial and error. I now have a whole case study I can go to, to other people at the top and say, we can do this and we can make it easy. Mm. To the point now that I'm looking at getting work experience for one of our students on a massive production in Queensland with, uh, you know, under the, uh, it's a production company that has done extremely well, gone to the Oscars, all this kind of thing. And because of the case that I built, they went, oh, okay, we've been doing it for 11 years. Sure, well, yeah, sure, we should do this, why not? Mm. And actually it's interesting talking to one of the producers who knew of the work I'd done, already familiar with it, just because I'd been doing it and have now a reputation. So I think your gut instincts, you have to listen to it. There will be sacrifices, there will be hard times. It's not going to be just plain sailing, but if you stick it out, you may just get to that place where you look back and you go, oh my gosh, I've arrived, you know? And I can say that now, 11 years on. Take me back five years ago, I wasn't saying I've arrived. I was saying, how am I going to arrive? How is this all going to work? I just, but you just keep doing the work. You keep doing what you believe is right. And, um, you know, it, somehow it works out. Somehow, you know, making change. Getting pe- we're, we're getting people on board. We're, we're going to the people at the top. We're, we're talking with government. We're... We're doing it. I guess in that light, what's next for you? And what- so bus stop's growing. And what's next to me is actually on Sunday, I'm going to Mongolia. Oh, wow. And I'm going to be working with the Arts Council of Mongolia to start a bus stop project there. Oh, cool. Yeah. So that's really exciting. Uh, bus stop is just thriving, you know. We have three student film projects that we're, we're doing. They're in post-production at the moment, which is really exciting. You know, we've got partners, we've got opportunities to work with other companies to facilitate opportunities. So Bus Stop's kind of, it's finally got to a point of where I think we're on the exponential growth, which is exciting. And for me personally, I want to make my first feature film. And oh, cool. yeah, I got funding through Screen Australia to write the next draft of the script. It's of course going to be inclusive and it's yeah. going to explore. It's, you know, it's really a... Um, that particular film is just such a hybrid of all the shorts that I've made. Like there's just so many different elements in that feature film that it's going to pay homage to my whole body of work over the last 10 years. So I'm really excited about getting stuck into the second draft of that and hopefully that'll be the draft we can start to shop around and raise funds for. But this is the thing. I stuck my course. I did things a little different. I did things differently. But it's been worth it and I'm not missing out. I'm very, very proud of the decision I made to do things differently, do the road less taken. And I think if everything is pointing for you to make that decision, you've, you've just got to go down as far as you can. Keep walking until you can't anymore, until you literally can't. I have a good example. I have a business, Taste Creative, which is a creative agency that I run with my husband and it's been a way that we've made a living and been able to support bus stop as well through resources. Now we had a a situation a few years ago where we were literally facing losing the business and I remember saying should we just stop the charade. I was saying to a business coach you know it's just too painful if we're going down if we're on a sinking ship I want to get off the ship now should we just shut it down 
And my business coach said to me, you do not stop writing until the pen has been taken out of your hand. I said, what do you mean? I can't take analogies right now. <laughs> I don't get it. Just talk to me in plain English. She said, don't stop until you literally can't pay your bills, you can't pay anything, you can't pay yourself, you can't pay the person doing the books. You just keep going until there is actually no money, no clients, nothing. You can't keep going. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But we came out. We're still operating. <laughs> we didn't stop. We just kept going. We made some drastic decisions. We had to downsize. It was hard, but we're now thriving and are in the best place we've ever been, ever. And so that is my advice, is if you're facing the road less traveled and it's a risk, just keep walking, keep going down that road until you literally have a brick wall in front of you and you have fallen down a hole and you are in a pit and there is no ladder and someone is burying you alive <laughs> and then all the dirt is on you and you can't actually move right. like you know like you just have to keep exploring where that road and, and i've had the same thing in bus stop i've i've just been walking and walking and there have been times where i'm like I actually don't know how this thing is going to be sustainable. I have no idea how this is going to work. But I knock on a door here. Something opens up. Hope. Okay, keep chasing that little glimmer of hope. It works. We're, we're in the Australian Film, Television, Radio School. The NDIS comes out. We become a provider. They're sustainable finance. Like, you just chase hope. Just keep chasing hope where there is hope alive. And particularly if you're on the journey to make social good, what bad can come from that if your heart is genuine and you see a need and you want to fill that need? You see a gap, you want to fill the gap. What harm can come from that? You just take your risks, do it while you're young, and, <laughs> and see what happens. Yeah. We might have to tie it up there, and we have just a, a few quick questions we normally ask towards the end. Normally ask if there's any books or films you would recommend uh, to young people who want to make a difference? And also if there's anything else you would like I'm to I'm the worst person for the book question <laughs> because I, I actually don't love self-help books or I don't read, I like just, if I'm going to read, I want to read a really good novel. Like I try and read Pulitzer Prize winners mm. and I'm actually reading at the moment how to read poetry like a professor. Okay. Like that, that is my, I, I try and actually, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but I, actually kind of get irked out by like how to make a million dollar business and you know social enterprises for dummies you know so for the other readers out the non non readers out there I'm I'm in your club I would recommend in terms of getting wisdom and assistance on the journey of mentors like I, I learn through verbal processing and sitting with people and learning and asking questions I will read something and oh, feel the pressure to like make notes and study it and then I forget it. I mean, who remembers the 10 points when you're in that business meeting? No, I'm serious. If you're going for an investment and you're in there in the room, do you remember the 10 points that you read in that book two weeks ago? No, you don't. You probably take away three ideas that help you to be more confident and go after your dreams and you know, I still can't remember all the negotiation techniques that I learnt when I was doing the negotiation audiobook. We, my husband and I did it on a road trip and someone lent it to us and I can't 
remember how to do a win-win. I'll just try and be nice and work out what they want and try and find a happy medium. So that is my honest answer. I'm so sorry. But look, I would recommend getting mentors and finding people that you can, like, if you have an issue, ask, ask someone that's been there, done that, so you don't make the same mistake. Like I have a great chair and I was really grumbly about a particular issue to do with a you know, uh, going for a grant and I was grumbly about it and I wanted to do something a little bit radical. And he said, don't do that. Just, just chill. And here's an example of, you know, maybe what we can do in the future, but just, you know, and you know, he probably saved me from being a grumble and, and, you know, causing some fuss where I didn't need to. So like, just surround yourself with good people and ask questions and be teachable to the people that are around you. You know, that would be my advice for me. That's what I do. I don't read a lot of those types yeah, of books. Cool. <laughs> In terms of inclusive film, obviously there's Bust Up and all the repertoire of stuff that you guys have, but any other um, kind of films that you recommend people should check out? Gosh, it's really interesting because I don't usually go and watch a film to, uh, <laughs> to, to um, start picking out, because I'm making them yeah, like this. Yeah. I usually try and go and watch films that like will just take me out of <laughs> but do you know, like for instance, Crazy Rich Asians, which is out at the moment, I mean that's a great example of diverse casting and like just telling a different story. Like it's how refreshing that we're not seeing a romantic comedy about two white people, right? So being aware of that kind of stuff is really great. And you can go and support films like that by going to the box office, like going opening weekend and watching a film that is, you know, is like that and supporting it and that because that tells those who are funding the films and the, the studio heads oh people actually want to go and see films about other races we can fund the next you know crazy rich asians too or we can fund this over here that has got non-white lead actors you know what i'm talking about so you know go and if you see a film that is you know challenging like the usual casting you know, the usual story, you know, it's obviously got diverse casting in it or is a story that is shining a light on another uh, way of life. And, you know, you read up on it and it's got its authentic casting, you know, they don't have an able-bodied person playing a, a person with a disability. The advocates are all happy with it. Go and see it in opening weekend. Send a message to the studios that we want films like this. That's what I think. I think, and you know, you can watch our films as well at Bus Stop. That's another, they're, they're great. They're great tools for uh, learning more about people from the disability community. So, yeah, I, I'll just do a little shameless self-promotion and go yeah, watch right. Bus Stop films yeah, yeah. on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> of course, and we'll chat that all in the show notes yeah. as well, so it's well advertised because amazing work, so we won't not share it with the, with the audience. Anything else that you want to? Yeah. I think, I think we're all good, we might as well wrap up there.